Praise God. The angels sing. I'm not just saying that because one of those angels is my wife. <laughs> Maybe I am a little bit. Good morning. I send you greetings from Pastor Samuel, um, who supposedly was, is on vacation. He's already preached six times this week. Uh, praise God. We have a pastor who preaches the word in season and out of season. But let us pray for a real vacation from him uh, one of these days. Um, he needs to be refreshed. And today I'd like to continue um, this last part of this series that we've been doing, looking at Christ as our exodus. Um, we have seen that Christ is the symbolic manifestation of the exodus experience for the people of Israel. But unlike that historic event, God made the ultimate entrance into our world, taking the form of a man and dwelling among us while giving us his testimony. And now from the words of the prophet John the Baptist, testifying that Christ is the ultimate exodus, the final exit, the last chapter, the closing scene, and the final victory over our slavery to sin. Would you please open God's word to John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Let us pray. Lord, we testify this morning that Jesus Christ is your Son. We ask, Lord, that this morning you would be glorified, that Christ would be lifted up, and that our church and the church would be strengthened. Lord, I ask for tender mercies as I preach, and I ask, Lord, that your word would not come back null and void as you promise. Lord, we give you this morning, and Lord, I ask and I pray that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing to you and acceptable 
in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. As we prepare our hearts to celebrate the, the birth of Jesus Christ some 2,000 years ago, it is important that we come to understand how his birth, life, death, and resurrection all fit into the entire scope of God's plan for his creation. I'm going to take my watch off, but I'm not sure it's going to matter, right? It's not easy to focus on Christ this Christmas season. I'm reminded of a story of two women shopping at a mall during the Christmas time. They came upon a nativity scene sponsored by a local church. One woman turned to her friend and remarked in harsh tones, now would you look at that? Even the church is trying to get in on Christmas. <laughs> we laugh and yet I fear that that is not so far from the truth. That Christmas is so far removed from Christ that people would look weirdly and oddly on the church celebrating Christmas, putting out the, the manger, putting on a living nativity, for they do not know the gospel. This world needs this Christmas gospel. So this morning, we're going to focus on John's specific testimony as we continue and conclude this series on Exodus. And what I really want to focus and unpack is this phrase, the Lamb of God. This simple yet powerful testimony. Behold, John says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's an amazing, amazing title of Christ as the Lamb of God. John's testimony would have linked back to multiple Old Testament prophecies where the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of Israel, would have been described in language using the image of a lamb. I'll mention two briefly. In Genesis 22, 7, 8, as Abraham and Isaac are on the mountain preparing to sacrifice to God, Isaac turns to Abraham, his father, and asks, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham replies, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. God will provide the lamb. And again in Isaiah 53, 7, we read, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. There are many images of the lamb, but this one is special, and I'm going to focus today on the other prominent image, one of many involving the lamb, that of the Passover lamb of the Exodus story. John's testimony represents three ideas, three new realities, three main points. Yes, three. It's amazing. I, you know, I, I have to do what I have to do. I'm going to give you three points today, um, and we pray they are three wonderfully full points. John's testimony represents a new day. Behold the Lamb of God. A new day is coming. A new death. And thirdly, a new destination. So let's talk about a new day. How do we present? How is Christ as the Lamb of God represent a new day for the nation of Israel? A new dawn, a new beginning. Let's go back to Exodus. Exodus 12, 1 and 2, we read that God reveals to Aaron and Moses that he will send one more plague that will convince Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. And as he prepares his nation for this plague, in Exodus 12, 1 and 2, he declares, Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of the month for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. 
This plague represents the beginning of something for the nation of Israel, the beginning of freedom to serve God. And for us today, Exodus chapter 12 reveals that this last plague, the striking down of all of Egypt's firstborn of man and cattle, was only prevented by the blood of the Lamb of God. Now, this lamb, the Passover lamb, as we call it, was sprinkled, the blood of the Passover lamb was sprinkled among the wooden doorposts of every, every Israelite home. And we've, we've, we've been blessed to hear this Exodus account, this powerful account of freedom to serve God. But John's testimony ushers in a new day for the nation of Israel. The ministry of Jesus described in language throughout John as re, 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 repeating the Exodus. And in order to tell us that he is enacting a greater exodus, there is a greater freedom coming in Christ, not just from physical slavery as the Jews were persecuted, but from slavery to sin. This exodus from sin would be made available not just to Israel, but to the entire world. A new day was upon us with Christ. A new chapter was written, a new covenant created, a new testament foretold. As God told his people thousands of years ago to begin their own understanding of time and history with this last plague, the Hebrew calendar begins with this last plague. Christ as the Passover lamb signals for us, for the world, that a new day is at hand, that we must begin to mark ourselves off as a new people, that something new is occurring. This Christmas season, we remember the birth and life of Christ, but we also mark all modern history and timekeeping from this historic event. What a God we serve, that even among the non-believers, they know how many years ago Christ was born. Roughly 2011. The whole world was stamped by the birth of Christ. Whether you want to believe it or not, whether you want to accept it or not, that's God's power, even among the unbelieving but is this number special to you? Is 2011 a special count of years that marks in your life that something new has happened in you, in us as believers? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you should have experienced this new day. This new day should have been marked with a change in your heart and mind, a change in your behaviors, a change in your attitudes and understanding about God, Christ, the world, and ourselves. I pray that you've had this new day happen. But not only does Christ represent a new day when John points to him and says, Behold the Lamb of God. Using that phrase, he also, John, I think, teaches us that a new death is coming. There is a new death that will take place in order for this new exodus to begin. As a review and as a reminder in Exodus 12, 5, 6, we read that the nation of Israel was told to select a male, unblemished, one-year-old lamb and kill it at twilight during the appointed day. And then we read in Exodus 12, 7, 8, Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Moreover, in Exodus 12, 46, God tells his people that they are not to break any bone of the lamb. Finally, God gives the Israelites explicit instructions 
so that this memory, this memory of the Exodus is seared into their collective consciousness, their memory, and they celebrated to this day the Passover experience every year. In Christ, the reality of the Passover lamb is made clear as a new death is required to make a way of escape for all the children of God. The death is no longer a small animal, but the Son of God himself. In the text we've read, John himself testifies that Christ is both the Lamb of God, and at the end, he, he testifies the Son of God. Christ is now the new Passover sacrifice. He is the new sacrificial death. This is confirmed during the Last Supper as he describes himself in sacrificial terms. Drink, this is my blood. Eat, this is my flesh. The Apostle Paul confirms this reality by stating in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, that Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. This new death, the death of the Lamb of God, the death of Christ, accomplishes something very different than the Exodus events. The Passover Lamb and Exodus only prevented the death of the Israelites' firstborns. The death of Christ, in contrast, prevents our eternal death. <laughs> caused by our sin and rebellion against God for those who would believe in his son, Jesus Christ. Thus, Christ takes away the curse of death by taking away our sins. The blood and body of Christ allow for a new death in us, a death to sin, rebellion, fear, anguish, despair, a death to what have been, should have been our eternal destiny, infinite separation from God in the torments of hell, due to God's perfect and righteous judgment against our rebellion and disobedience. Have you experienced this new death? A death to the old man or woman of selfishness, pride, hate, rebellion, sin? For after you experience this new death, like the exodus of Israel from Egypt, you will begin a new journey. You will be on a path of a new destination. Brothers and sisters, I pray that you've experienced this death that you've experienced a new life, a new journey. Finally, the culmination of the Passover lamb event was the beginning of Israel's release from bondage to the Egyptians. Remember, Pastor Samuel has taught us that we were not set free, or Egypt was not, uh, the Israelites were not set free in Egypt just to set, be set free. God says, I set you free so that you might serve me and glorify me and worship me. And with the coming of Christ, our Passover lamb, so begins our new journey, our new destination, free from slavery to sin and free to serve God, glorify him and enjoy him forever. In the Exodus account, the Israelites were on a journey to the promised land, the land of milk and honey, where God would continue to reveal his glory to the nations. Yet this destination still relied on God's physical presence to become a success. God was in the tabernacle. He led them by fire and by cloud. What a gracious God to manifest himself with us. God's grace and mercy were abound as the Israelites continued to rebel and reject God. As Pastor Samuel has so well taught us, in the midst of these testimonies and covenants, the Israelites continued to rebel and reject. But the Passover Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, results in a new destination for those who would believe in him, one where God dwells in us. 
in us. His testimony is seen in us. We see an example of this new reality in the remaining verses of the first chapter of John. Right after this testimony, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Christ begins to call his followers with commands like, come and you will see and follow me. Once Christ is revealed as the Lamb of God, people are drawn to him. Lives are changed and new destinations are set. When Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, entered this world, those of us who believed in him were changed forever. Our worldly destinations changed as we began to focus on him and his glory. We reorient our whole lives, our behaviors, ideas about work and family. The blessings of being placed in a local church. We were not saved to be out there in the world free, but we were saved into the body of Christ, into his body. We serve each other and serve the world in his name. That is a new destination for us. We begin to see changes in our own physical and psychological lives. Destructive actions and thoughts begin to give way to helping and healing lives. Our focus turns from ourselves to others. New relationships are formed. New trials experienced. In all of this, our love of Christ grows after his Holy Spirit fills us in order to become more like him. What does this all mean? Our lives are radically altered away from the destination of destruction they were on to the destination of freedom, glory, heaven, power, love. Dear friend, are you on this new destination? One where you are finally free to serve God, enjoy him forever, become more like his son, love his children, and spread his good news. If you've never experienced that new destination, if you don't understand this new death, if you have not marked this new day, please come talk to me after the service or others here who will gladly sit down with you Pray that you would be open to this new life. During this Christmas season, it is good to remember what Christ's birth means, what his life reveals, what his death signifies, and what his glorious resurrection proves. Even though we have not covered the traditional Christmas story today, um, it is from the first announcement of Christ's birth that this new reality is revealed to mankind. The gospel is one. All of the Old Testament and New Testament point to the coming of Christ. And it is no coincidence that in Matthew 1.20, when the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is the Christmas story. The testimony you heard today of Yuli is the Christmas story. The prayer and the testimony of Pastor Baker you've heard is the Christmas story. Changed lives forever. Fellowship together forever. Spreading of the gospel and good news forever. And worshiping Christ forever. I pray that this is truly a wonderful Christmas gift. I'm reminded of a young little boy who was asked, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? And he said, no, but after all, it's not my birthday. 
would you pray with me that we'd remember that it is someone's birthday this Christmas season, and it is not ours. Lord, we come to you this morning full of your hope and your glory and your life. But we pray that this morning we would recognize that you are the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, that your invitation to become part of the family of God stands, that you must repent, you must turn away from your sins and the destination of hell that you are on and come to the light, come to Jesus Christ. We pray that your word would be glorified and preached in all the nations throughout all the land. And we thank you this morning that we might come together and hear the glories of the testimonies of the power of your son, Jesus Christ, of his sacrifice, of his love. Lord, we pray this morning that we would all, during this Christmas season, remind ourselves that we, the body, we, your church, your beautiful bride, must go out and tell the world what Christmas is really about. It is your birthday, Lord Jesus. Let us praise you and worship you. Let us give you the gift of us. Let us sacrifice and pour ourselves out so that nothing remains but your glory, your Holy Spirit in us, and your power and majesty focused and shown throughout the world. We ask these things, Lord Jesus, in your name, we pray to you, we bow to you, we worship you, we fall down at your feet. Amen. Would you take some time to remain in silence as you meditate on God's word this morning?